welcome to another episode of the Winging F1 podcast. We're here to talk about the Saudi Raven Grand Prix, the second Grand Prix of the 2023 Formula One season. And we are going to do it with as much enthusiasm as um, loads of people had for the race. Actually, no, we're going to have more enthusiasm than that. Um, I'm Freddie. I'm going to be leading the podcast today. And I'm with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu, who are going to help me dissect the fairly... Um, no need to dis- dissect Grand Prix because it was fairly face value. I think we know pretty much everything that happened. Um, uh, Nigel, how are you? Did you did you have an opinion on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? Uh, first of all, I've got an opinion on the name tag. I've just <laughs> <laughs> Porsche for anyone watching on YouTube. Uh, first of all, I don't love Tail Porsche. I just yeah, you do. He does. You love Teo Porcher. No, you love Teo Porcher. Stop distancing what... yourself from Teo Porcher. Now he's had his worst ever. He, he might be listening to this, and he'll be really sad oh, yeah. that you are that you are abandoning him. <laughs> Getting on the Andrea uh, Kimi Antonelli but... hype train now, aren't you? Nigel is the not, AKA hype train. train. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's enough, I'm Nigel. Adam, how are you? Train. I'm good, thank you. I will just point out to listeners: this is the first episode that you should actually listen to what i have to say because it's the first episode since i passed my driving test so i'm now fully qualified to talk about (laughs) this so yeah i've actually i've got the experience whereas previously i was just kind of guessing really how many miles did you get adam one that's pretty good well done i got more than that that. um (laughs) anyway moving on i didn't get a major um (laughs) combined combined across three tests i've had about I've had one major and about six oh. minors. Oh, so... combining the other tests. Oh, okay. Yeah, but um, yeah. Well, well done one, for passing one. eventually. So you can listen to me now, although not right now because I've not got anything to say yet. Because so, that's the post job. Adam, do you think that um, you would have been able to give any tips to Max Verstappen to help him beat Sergio Perez in this Grand Prix? Now you have all this driving skill. Uh, yeah, I'd have said check your drive shaft on Saturday morning <laughs> or Saturday around sunset and yeah, figure out whether there's anything wrong with it. But um, no, I I think, I mean, you know, f- firstly, give our dues to Sergio Perez because it was, you know, a, a fantastic performance from him. I think Saturday, he maybe had a little bit in the bag. I think it wasn't the quickest he could have gone, but he did enough. You know, he did the job when Verstappen wasn't there and that's all he needs to do in what was a rocket ship of a rebel. And then again on Sunday, he overcame getting jumps at start by Alonso. And from there, you know, it was pretty plain sailing. I think Verstappen maybe was holding a bit back at the end. I think he could have really gone for it if everything was on the line and he didn't, he, he chose not to, but we'll get onto that later. But yeah, for Sergio Perez, you know, everyone's talking about his street track record it's his fourth win out of five has been on street tracks and um yeah just a good all-round weekend performance from him yeah i was thinking perez was doing well to match verstappen's times because every time verstappen set a fast lap perez would respond uh but i'm now kind of thinking both cars were managing the pace because of a problem uh, verstappen of course reported vibrations and I feel like both cars were not showing their full hand, to be honest. So it is kind of hard to read uh, too much into it. Uh, but I, like like uh, Adam said, I think Perez did a great job. One of his best drives, I think, in F1. Uh, just It's just this part of me that's, that's thinking, can he do this week in, week out? Can he beat Verstappen in, in a straight fight when Verstappen doesn't have any problems? And I still think no. 
but you still got to take advantage uh, of you know when your teammate has problem has has problems. Yeah, I completely agree that I don't think he could take him in a straight fight across multiple races and multiple and across a season. Um, but I I I I think I give him a bit more credit than you guys do for the way he took this win in terms of the way they were managing it because I do think um when they officially weren't managing it they both still had pretty good pace and um yeah Verstappen was told everything was okay and Checo was told to push um and told on the radio that was broadcast um you're free to push so I do think from that side of it they were they were going for it a bit more um and it's easy for the guy in second to say yeah I was managing it um after he's finished second and the gap was held so I do think for the most part this race was was won by Sergio Perez more than managed by Red Bull. Um, and if you look at where it was sort of post-safety car, it completely wiped out his lead, completely brought Verstappen into play very easily and and Perez did everything he needed to do. And I think that's um, that's testament to him because, yeah, this is the first race he's he's won where Verstappen's been second um, or been on the podium. Is that the case? I can't remember, I think. Um I can't remember if Verstappen was on the podium in Singapore or not, um, but definitely it's the first race where essentially Verstappen's been properly in the fight for the win with Perez that Perez has won. I'd suggest, um, and I think that's that's worthy of applause. Um, but but yeah, I, I completely agree. He's not going to take it to him throughout the season, and if he could, it would be great. But it would require circumstances like we had yesterday in qualifying to replicate multiple times across the early part of the season. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Verstappen's still in the championship fight after starting 20 races from 15. It would be, it would be something. I mean, if if we think how Rosberg beat Hamilton in 2016, uh, Hamilton had a lot of bad luck. uh, Yes. Obviously that season. I think we need that plus a bit more for Perez to even take it to the final race for me. I mean, that's the kind of gap we're, we're talking about because, I mean, when your teammate's 15th and and you've got clearly the best car that's one second mm-hmm. faster or even faster than anyone else, you cannot win, really. Uh, so Perez kind of did the job. He did, he did it very well, of course. But it's just so... Well, he needs to beat Verstappen in a straight clean weekend and then and he needs, needs to do that a few times for me to begin to think he can actually do it. I just don't see that happening. No, I don't either. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I agree. Oh. No, unfortunately, I, I don't Damn. think it's a, yeah, I don't think it's a um, Rosberg Alton scenario, but you know, it is, it is nice to see Perez, you know, take his opportunity and after kind of the way things ended last season, then he shows that he's still got it because he was on the back foot for a lot of the second half of last season and you know, he has come back and got an early win in early pole position as well and yeah, yeah I'm just, I'm kind of with both of us, yeah, I mean, and also you know, Rosberg absolutely pushed himself to the limit and pushed racing really to the limit to beat Hamilton, you know, he went kind of all out, um, and that was partly the reason that he retired, that he didn't think he could repeat that. He had just gone so deep. And I kind yeah. of don't really see Perez doing that. And even if he did, I don't think he'd be able to to match Verstappen over, what, 24 races, 20 races. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. unfortunately, I don't think um, it'll be a season-long championship battle. But, um, you know, even if Perez is able to 
even if we are able to have fights for the lead for a few more races, then that'd be nice. But you know, and either... and and twenty sixteen when Rosberg won, it had already been proven quite a few times that Rosberg could legitimately take the fight and beat Hamilton across a race weekend and multiple race weekends in a row across fourteen and fifty, oh, 13, 14 and fifteen really, and and he did that as well in twenty sixteen as well as Hamilton having bad luck. So he was able to build on that in his own way. So uh, it's you know we've got. The examples we have with Perez have been pretty much from the the same set of races that we would have had. Essentially, we've had two seasons, and Rosberg and Hamilton were already fighting for the championship within two seasons. And there's been five wins for Perez rather than something like ten near fifteen for Rosberg in comparison to Hamilton. So um, that that speaks for itself in a way. Um, but enough 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 throwing Perez down. Um, after he's won a race because yeah he's well won the race perez. yeah well done perez uh you've won the race and you're one point off the championship lead which is probably yeah. his best ever position um in an f1 championship fight which he's not in but he is in but anyway um i feel like he's more <laughs> bullish this year anyway as well i feel like ever he was very much um relating this race to last year and that that stuck out to me quite a lot that he was and and on the radio he was very bullish about make sure you're telling Max the same thing. Um, I don't want you to be doing anything to sort of favour him. So he's very much like making quite a few lines in the sand, I would suggest Perez is though. Which is one thing in his favour. But I don't know if you have anything on that or whether you think that's just him doing all he can do but still it not being enough. Yeah, I, I think it's partly that. I think also he knows he can because there really isn't a threat from what we've seen so far anyway, unless things change. So there really isn't a threat. It is like Mercedes in 14, 15, 16, where there's not that external threat to them. So I think he, he knows he can and, and equally knows he probably has to. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, I you know, I, I think it's kind of good. It's good to see that he is putting himself out there. And, you know, it, again, like, it's not his job. I used to get really frustrated when people got annoyed that Bottas wasn't holding up a championship fight against Hamilton. Like, it's not his job. Really, the job is other teams, Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes, whoever. It's their job to be able to come with a car that can beat Red Bull. And if they can't, and the only person who's able to challenge is their kind of number two driver, then that's on the other teams more than it is on, you know, Perez's ability or inability to carry a challenge to Max. Yeah, I think he's got a bit of what I'd call like a steeliness, Perez. We've seen that throughout his career, his battle with, o- his battle with Ocon, at Racing Point and Force India. Uh, obviously, with Verstappen at the end of last season in Brazil when there was a bit of a fight there. So he's prepared to say how he feels, I guess. Uh, that could cause some kind of conflict happen down the line. Uh, so I do like that because some drivers, they would kind of be scared almost of the Red Bull uh, perception of favouring Verstappen and that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that is a plus point about Perez. One driver who got one over on Perez was Fernando Alonso, who took the lead at the start, um, then kind of did his own race a bit following that and was third on the road, was was the third fastest throughout the whole weekend through practice as well. Um, but because of uh a penalty for starting in the wrong place, which was which was a harsh penalty, I thought, but I guess they see more and it was he was over the line, I guess. Um and then a similar issue to what Ocon had in Bahrain, where then the team touched the card too quickly and meant the, the penalty that was served was um 
unable to be served properly meant that he didn't finish on the podium despite finishing on the podium on the road and dropped a fourth. But Alonso was very much just the the best of the rest, just hands down this weekend. There wasn't any fight through the field. There wasn't any question marks as to where Ferrari and Mercedes would be. It was Red Bull and then Alonso. Uh, Nigel, what do yeah. you think of that? Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, anyway, I've gone to Nigel Adams. Yeah, so I... Shut up. <laughs> I think uh, what Alonso did was really, really clever in the race because he kind of didn't fight Perez, who then was his DRS. Uh, so then Perez pulled him along for about five or six laps, I think, in his DRS. And then Alonso built that five second advantage uh, over Russell. And then uh, obviously at the time that helped him uh, when he pit in because then he stayed, stayed ahead of Russell. And then uh, he had the time penalty because of the Jack person talk, uh, touching the car. Uh, and he did the same thing with Verstappen as well when he came through. He, he stayed in his DRS for two or, two or three laps uh, to pull him along for a bit. So it was, it was, it was a really smart from along. The Aston Martin's kind of weakness with the, with the straight line speed was really exposed over in that final sector. Uh, it does seem that they've, they've got a bit of a draggy car compared to the rest of the field. So that is going to be a bit of a problem. But in terms of Alonso's drive, it was definitely a I thought, actually. I I agree, but then that <clears throat> that makes it doubly annoying for them that they haven't got a podium out of it when you're you're clearly, you know, the, the third fastest driver on the weekend and the fastest driver is starting from 15th, then you should hope to get at least a podium out of that. And yeah, I think, you know, that'll make it really frustrating that they didn't. And, you know, I, I had a go at this for... Ocon for this last time in Bahrain that is compounding penalties and obviously it wasn't Alonso's fault with the jack but it is you know just from it's lining up in the wrong place and then compounding that by having another penalty from not serving that correctly like it's just sloppy really um and you know they need if they are serious about challenging at the front then it's not good enough just to have a card then they need to be cutting out these mistakes as well so and you know it has cost them three points and a trophy today and as much as they think that you know, they have confidence that they'll score a lot more podiums through the season. They've not been podium rich or trophy rich in their kind of history, really, and particularly recent history. So it is still, you know, I think if you're Aston Martin, I'd still be annoyed that they have lost out on it when they did have that advantage over the rest of the field. Bar Red you Bull. tweeted something, Freddie, about Vettel not yes. starting in his grid box. And he didn't get a penalty, right? I was Chinese Grand Prix. Chinese Grand Prix 2017, he was halfway across the grid box and didn't get a penalty. And it wasn't because it was aggressive. It was just because he was genuinely, I think he he had to catch a burnout or something, ended up in the wrong place. And he was given the benefit of the doubt for it. And it was a complete surprise that he was not penalised for just being... The, the picture is is marvellous because you've got the whole row of cars and then one car just halfway across. And that's Vettel's car on the front row. Um, and he came second in that race and it was absolutely fine. So that obviously was, was is you know, it's six years ago now. So it's a hard one to, um, to compare to for precedent, but it was kind of, it immediately stood out to me. It's like, hang on a second. If that's out of position, what's that? Because it wasn't like he was um, over the line. He was across the line. Um, and I think the right thing to do is to penalize. So I think rather than to, um, to allow because something that should have been penalized has been allowed in the past i think two wrongs don't make a right but it was interesting that um it's just kind of like yeah we're just going to be really harsh on it now and we're just going to just say yeah that was wrong and just it just kind of 
Yeah, that's what I thought because it, it it seems like they changed changed their stance. They changed, they've changed their stance for this year. Obviously, we've not seen these uh, incidents much over the last five six years, but it does seem they are being a bit more uh, harsh with it. I guess there was another incident um, in the twenty sixteen Austrian Grand Prix uh, where where I think it was I think it was Gutierrez had to start from the pit lane, so his um. His grid spot was free, so Verline accidentally went into that one because Verline yeah, would have I been directly that. behind him in like fourteenth, not twelfth, or something like that. Um, and they let him reverse on the grid and then start, and then they started the race. Didn't give anyone a penalty or anything. And Verline actually got a point in that race, and it was the only point Manor got that wasn't um, well, as a team that wasn't then obviously Mauritius in Monaco twenty nineteen with Bianchi. Um, so there was a definite leniency to that in the past that's just not there now. I mean, it's in line with F1, and I agree that it's right that they are kind of having a stricter line on it, but it's in line with F1, you know, really like defining everything and every possible penalizable offence and then pushing that. And yeah, it's like, yeah, it's tough for Alonso and it was tough for Ocon last week. And a few of the drivers are saying that it might be a bit harder, like with the halo maybe to judge where you're on your pit box, but they're going to have to But that's why they've it. put out the big yellow line and made it much longer. If you look at a grid from from three or four years ago even not even that the, the the yellow line on the on the grid is 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 like two feet but now it's about four or five feet so they've made that proper so that and so that they cars can i think it might be actually with the wheel arches they've done that so that cars can properly drivers can properly see where they need to line up their wheel so yeah i, I guess see, like that could make it I more difficult but i don't see it being an issue for long i think now drivers have had a wake-up call then they're gonna you know sort their act out and get it together and it'll be fine from a few races onwards yeah it's two times out of 40 this season so mm. when you put it like that um <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually it's actually quite a lot when you think about it from an f1 perspective um but anyway george russell obviously then picked up the podium after um the the, the sloppy nature of um a few points parts of alonso's race um that is all confirmed and everything as we record this and i thought russell was you know genuinely quite good because the Mercedes has been weird, and we know obviously the narrative of Mercedes's press stance and the way they've been pushing their their um their narrative over the past two weeks has been very much yeah we've actually done really badly, and for some reason we thought this and thought that, and it's just I think to be honest really could risk putting the team apart, but they they you know they, they were the 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 third best team this weekend and ahead of Ferrari really in the race pace. And Russell was up there in the fight with, with, with Leclerc and Alonso in the qualifying and then stayed there and held it there and got a podium to boot. Yeah. It was a weekend. Russell really needed to have, I thought, um, I I thought he was in Bahrain. He just seemed a bit off and maybe a bit frustrated with her, with where everything was. I think he could have beaten Stroll and, you know, that kind of wasn't close, I remember, it in the end. So, yeah, I think he really needed this. And, um, you know, there's a bit at the end. He said he felt sorry for Alonso because he didn't think it was a penalty. And Alonso said he felt sorry for Russell because Russell didn't get the podium and the trophy moment and all of that. So there was all of that going on. Yeah, but, yeah, in terms of performance, then it was it was class from Russell. Again, like, he got the job done. He was able to hang on early on. He was able to keep the Ferraris away, although Ferrari did kind of take themselves out of the races, I'm sure we'll discuss soon. But, um, yeah, kind of not much more to say, but a good weekend for Russell. He was the best Mercedes driver, and, yeah, he'll hope to carry that on to Australia. Yeah, I mean, any time Russell has been in Hamilton over the last 12 months, you've got to say that's a really impressive job, and it was 
I'd say it's quite comfortable almost this weekend to beat him uh, to beat Hamilton in qualifying and uh, in, and the race as well. So yeah, top job from Russell. Mercedes are probably better than before because there was so much negativity. Uh, one total wolf was speaking to the media on Friday and Saturday, but they managed to get podium, unexpected of course. Uh, and yeah, it's Russell again, just like last year when he got pole, uh, pole in Budapest and the win in Brazil. He's 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 been there again to get third place. Mm. It, it it was yeah, it was he was the uh, more accomplished Mercedes driver this weekend. That was simple, and and we'll get onto Hamilton now because he did say something about um set up differences between them but at the end of the day Russell chose the right setup and Hamilton chose the wrong setup so um yeah Russell was comfortably better and I think I agree with you Adam it was the weekend he needed because he was out of sorts in Bahrain in a way that Hamilton wasn't and and Hamilton just didn't seem to have the pace it wasn't like he was flustered by anything he was on the medium tires and um wasn't able to close up but when he was on the hard tires everyone was swamping him when he was on the mediums um, when they were on mediums so it just seemed to be all the time in a contra contra strategy, which just never worked. I mean, he he said that he he did throw the setup thing up, but he basically said he's just not got the connection with the car. He's not feeling it. He doesn't, you know, he's not at one with it and not able to get the most out of it. So yeah, I think it's you know we'll see in Australia whether it is a one-off or whether George is just more dialed in at this moment in the season. But yeah, I think he he can't be anything more than disappointed. And he was, you know, having said that, he was. I think three tenths, less than two and a half tenths, I think, off beating Alonso for fourth in the end with the penalty. It would have felt very harsh for Alonso if he was down to fifth out of the race weekend he had, but this is the way. Um, But yeah, I think Hamilton will be disappointed. Um, But yeah, you know, it's going to be a long road for Mercedes and, you know, uh, fourth versus fifth place will be neither hither nor tither really at the end of the season. Yeah, again, he was still 10 seconds off the podium on the road, wasn't he? So if you put it that way, it's not necessarily... And that's after a mid-race safety car at about lap twenty odd, so it would have been probably well, longer he, with full pit stops. He was on the mediums, though, wasn't he? He was on he was on the mediums for thirty laps, and that was yeah. kind of a big ass because that was probably not what he wanted to do. Probably wanted to do thirty laps, thirty-five laps on the hard, and then twenty laps on the medium if there was no safety car. So, and I think he tried to you know push and overtake Ross, get that trap position, uh, try and hold on. But then I think he kind of realised he wasn't going to have the tyres and he really went for it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think Houghton was that far off in terms of race pace, really. It was just more more the qualifying, really. Yeah, that's a good point. Well made. Um, and Mercedes were better because they were both ahead of the Ferraris in the end. The Ferraris were screwed over a bit by the safety car. I think we, we, we should add. But... Um, but science was mixing it with the Mercedes in qualifying and the, in pace, and it didn't really. Science was ahead at the safety car, and it did, they just fell back. Then both Ferraris didn't really weren't able to then put a challenge on Hamilton and Russell following the safety car. Science Leclerc sixth, seventh, and I think you know Leclerc had really good pace in qualifying, but it just didn't transpire into the race for either either driver. Do you guys have anything to say on that? <laughs> Or is it just? I thought Nigel uh, would. It's sorry. Usually his wheelhouse, isn't it? Yeah, and usually Nigel's one wielding the the baseball bat of Ferrari think, despair. I I think Ferrari realised this weekend they are not going to challenge Red Bull because I think in Bahrain there was a bit of optimism uh, with Leclerc 
thinking he could get pole position then in the race, obviously he was still a long way behind. But dude, I think I think he realised that they're down on straight line speed. They don't have to downforce. They don't have to so it kind of over. And I think Leclerc kind of felt like, and on the hard tyres, they were just absolutely nowhere. Uh, I was surprised as well that Ferrari pitted uh, Leclerc so early on 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 the softs. I felt I felt they should have been a bit more aggressive and just left him out there. Uh, really, he still had decent pace, Leclerc. Uh, and again, Leclerc had a science this weekend as well. Science, science struggled quite a bit, I thought. Uh, and yeah, the only final point was, even though uh, the Ferrari car wasn't great, Leclerc's uh, qualifying queue was absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I watched it on Saturday. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, but Ferrari, yeah, I think they've realised that they're not going to be in this title fight, unfortunately. Science really was struggling. He, uh, I mean, in both Q, I think in all the qualifying sessions, definitely Q1 and Q2, he looked as if he, you know, he, he was way down the order and then he came and got it with his last lap and was able to shoot up. And I think that happened in um, Q3 as well, although obviously he didn't go as high up as um, Leclerc did. So, yeah, I think he, he just didn't seem to be on the pace. And by contrast, Leclerc, yeah, like he, he looked like he did everything he could have really he had a good start as well he actually had a better start than Verstappen in terms of like moving positions at the grid but yeah we should it's, expect it's, on the softs mm, but yeah it's it's one that got away really well no it's I don't know it's it they should it have felt done quite better. rightful I thought I would suggest I kind of based on the way the race panned out it felt rightful that it was Red Bull Alonso Mercedes Ferrari I mean where Stroll yeah, I think you're right actually. if you'd finished the race I don't know but but yeah it feels weird that rightfully Ferrari were sixth and seventh and could arguably arguably have been uh, seventh and eighth if we factor in where Stroll's pace because he obviously did a, a really good overtake around the outside of science on the first lap that was one of the overtakes of the, the race in my opinion um, and was on track to kind of be fighting with them after the pit stops he was behind them but probably I think would have had the pace to fight with them as the race went on so it, it, it's yeah, it's a strange place for them. Um, rounding out the points, we did have both Alpines in the top 10. Uh, Esteban Ocon leading Pierre Gasly in 8th and 9th. Um, there were a few moments that thought like a good flashpoint between them. It was like, oh, they're racing each other, but they just sort of brought it home, did the race. Um, and that's kind of where Alpine are. They're in that sort of just Alpine land, if, if yeah. you will. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. clear fifth place. Aren't yeah. They're not at the front. They're not at the back. So they're just clearly fifth. <laughs> Trip over each other, I guess. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I mean, not much to say. Yeah. I agree. To me, not this feels say. like the, the best weekend. I mean, Bahrain was like very up and down. Obviously, Gasly started, did he start 20th? He definitely went out in Q1. He is in Bahrain, uh, yeah. Um, and then Ocon um, obviously fell apart in the race, and Gasly came up to some point. So it was a bit of a switcheroo from across the weekend. But this year, sorry, this weekend, then they just did have the weekend that they needed. So it's like, you know, obviously they can hope for some freak event. You know, if there's rain or whatever, they they might be able to hope to get the top five even up to a podium if there is a crazy race. But really, on your average weekend, this is the best that they can hope for. It's getting getting into Q3 and then getting a double points finish is what they should be aiming for week in, week out. And that's what they're capable of. And they did it. And I feel like that's what will hopefully come for them. Uh, Nigel, what did you want to say? If if those four teams are ahead, though, double points finishes ninth and tenth. And for Alpine, it just... It sounds so, it's so different from fifth and sixth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that is as good as they can do because they're just 
about three or four attempts at you know at least off uh, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Aston Martin, and, and I don't think they've necessarily built a bad car. It's just the Aston Martin jump has kind jumped. of made it look worse. Yeah, exactly. So it's a bit of a difficult, not difficult spot. It's just they've they've got. Well, they've all been embarrassed a bit by Aston Martin, which makes it even harder then, because yeah. there'll be a lot of soul-searching for a lot of these midfield teams, particularly Alpine and, uh, and McLaren are the ones who need to do it the most based on where they've been mixing with Aston Martin in the past few years. Um, and I- I'm sure we'll get onto that in one of our, our long gap between Australia and Azerbaijan podcasts. Um, <laughs> but we have to talk about Kevin Magnussen and Yuki Tsunoda, who are scrapping it out for 10th place for the majority of the second half of the race. Um, Magnussen had the pace over Sonoda, but Sonoda did a valiant defense. Um, and he got he, Sonoda got up there because of the safety car and did hold it for a long time. But Magnussen eventually did put a pretty decent move on him and held it. Um, I think Nigel, you think Sonoda deserved the point. I think he got that through circumstance, but on reflection, I do think he did hold it pretty well because that Alpha Tauri is a dog. <laughs> I, I think for Sonoda, Sonoda, I went northern and you are no order to hold off. <laughs> order. I, I know. Well, I think I think for this is an order to hold off Magnuson for as long as he did it was really impressive. I mean, his defending, he was kind of putting his car in the right place. So Magnuson was in the dirty air uh, a few times. Magnuson attacked and he just couldn't get past because of worse than order was. So I think for for him to hold him to hold him off for as long as he did was really impressive impressive and I think Sonoda has made a great start to this season, quite frankly. He's been much better than De Vries, who yes, he's a rookie, so he should be beating him, that kind of thing. But considering the pressure he's been on, uh yeah, I think Sonoda has been great and I think his drive to not get that point was a bit unfortunate really, uh, because the Hass is much better than the Alpha Tauri, I think. Yeah, I I agree. For where the Alpha Tauri is, then he did really well to even be up there. And yeah, it's just a shame that he can hold on. But equally, you know, Magnussen did really well. He stuck at it for a number of laps to finally get the move done. And it's going to be really valuable, as we've just said, if the you know the top five teams are clear of the bottom five teams, and that means on a lot of weekends, then points positions won't be up for grabs, or it would be difficult for um you know hat well especially Alpha Tauri and Williams to be able to challenge for those tenth places. So I think the fact that you know, Hass have got it. It's kind of big for them. They jump Williams in the construction standings. And, you know, for Alfa, Romeo and Hass, then anything they can get will be really important in their battle. And, uh, yeah, just unlucky for Alfa Tauri. Yeah, these points will probably be very, very costly later down the line. Um, any point for for Williams, Alfa Tauri, Alfa Romeo, Hass is, is, is important. Gold. Yeah, exactly. Um Anyone else you guys want to talk about? I think McLaren we should have a discussion on because it was just, again, another poor race for them. Piastri did show some pace in qualifying, but we don't know where Norris would have been after he made a pretty stupid mistake in quali- in the start of qualifying and turned into the wall. Um, <laughs> I, I say it like it's easy. It's a nightmare circuit. And, you know, it, if you're on a rhythm, you're on a rhythm. And if the rhythm doesn't work out, then you, you turn into a wall, to be fair. No, I can drive now. Don't turn into walls. Oh, okay. I've not done it. Um, yeah, I th- is that I your think... major? Yeah, yeah, my first one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think kind of McLaren will be one to have bigger talk about again in like one of those non-race weekend podcasts. But yeah, it was good for Piastri to get up there, and it just looked like they do have a bit more one lap pace. But at the same time, like 
you know, uh, he got damaged very early on in the race. I can't remember whose fault the incident was, but then like after that, then they were just a non-factor for the race. I thought maybe he could come back through and, you know, get up towards that Sonoda Magnuson battle, but he never, ever looked close. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just really disappointing for McLaren. I think Piastri could have got points without that incident. He was he was very unlucky because sometimes that contact, I think it was with Ocon or Gasly, one of the Alpines, it was the tiniest bit of contact where he broke his front wing uh, and then Norris broke his front wing as well in the race of both cars were uh, running last actually after four, four or five laps. So they were unfortunate. It's just when they were in that battle with the Williams or Sergeant, the amount of drag on that car, my God, the straight line speed differences absolutely huge and that is going to be a massive problem this year if they're trying to defend or attack because he just can't quite frankly they're going to be sitting ducks uh, but Piastri did a pretty good job I thought he was matched Norris arguably better than Norris this weekend considering Norris, Norris made that mistake so good weekend from him after some critics in Bahrain even though people are judging drivers after one race which is stupid you should, you should judge them over a few months at least uh, so yeah, Piastri. Doesn't mean their third F two season. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I I was just going to throw out Sergeant as well. Really disappointing for him. Obviously, he didn't get the um, didn't get a lap in in qualifying at all. So he was out, and then in the race got jumped by Piastri at the end, and just overall for Williams after the highs of Bahrain, it was a bit of a crash down to earth, really. So yeah, they'll have to go better in Australia. Yeah, I was going to throw in a sentence for Sergeant because it seemed like his lap was in qualifying his first lap would have been fast enough to get him through to yeah. Q2, which yeah. is very impressive for that lap. So he's got the pace and he had the pace at various points through the race. But I think he he just needs to give a few races, get a bit calmer because there were definite points when I think it was to free sent one on him and he just he just lost his head a bit and then was mugged by the McLarens. So it's it feel a bit like he needs a couple of races just to just to calm, frankly, and realise yeah. that he does have the pace. Because I think he did show pace this weekend. It just didn't come together. Even in qualifying, after that first run, then I, I think he had two more runs and he wasn't able to make either of them stick and even put a time on the board. So again, like there is the bad look, but then he compounded it by not being able to make anything of his other runs. So yeah, but lots to still lots to learn, lots of time to learn as well. Yeah. It, it's always better though for it to be this way around and show that you've yeah. got the potential oh, yeah. rather than be like De Vries, who has been quite far off Sonoda. Uh, so for a rookie two races in, I'd say it's quite positive overall and Sergeant does have the speed. He's just got to execute it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that's really it for us on the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It was it was a Grand Prix. It happened. Yeah. Sergio Perez won it. <laughs> um, Verstappen started from 15th, if you remember. And that's probably it that we'll, we'll think about when it comes to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix come the end of the year. Um, Jeddah just yeah, I guess it didn't really deliver the the chaos that it has in the past, but it's it's. I think it's it's a it's a that's the nature of the Formula One pecking order this year, rather than anything else. We'll see what happens come Australia. Do you guys have any anything any other business for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix? I want to say for when this episode goes out, happy birthday to Adam Dickinson, twenty two years old. because ah. uh, Freddie's like three times as old as yeah, us, yeah, yeah. but he'll be the same age as me. Now, so happy birthday to Adam. I know this day is like in my calendar. It's not in my calendar. I'm making this up now. But it's in my calendar uh, because <laughs> that's when he was born. 
Thank you very much, Nigel. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, bon anniversaire to Adam Dickinson, and make sure you all got you all sent him lots of lovely uh, DMs and tell him how much you love him because he's a gorgeous human and he deserves it. Um, and let's see if he passes his degree. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't make a video thing to put on Twitter like I did for Freddie last year. I just didn't. Have that's time okay. That's okay. Oh, yeah, it's all right. The, the apology is is public and is going to be published on multiple platforms. These platforms are YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Something Podcasts, Something Podcasts, and Something Podcasts, uh, and of course our podcast provider, Acast. Um, if you want to follow Nigel, he's at Nigel C. Journo. If you want to wish felicitations to Adam Dickinson, he's at Ad- Adam Dickinson one Please give him felicitations. Send him yeah. Amazon vouchers. Put some cake in an envelope and post it to him. His address is not going to be read out at this time. And uh, you can find me at, at FredCoast1999. Um, and you can also say happy birthday to me, even though it's not my birthday. Um, Please do that, actually. <laughs> Don't bother with me. Just say happy birthday on the 20th Say happy birthday, March. Adam, to Nigel. Um, and see what happens. Um, but yes, that was that was fun, wasn't it? Um See you guys later yes. for a Australian preview app and have the best time ever. Goodbye. Good eye. Good eye. Good eye. Bye. Bye.